some verses out of a couple different books. And as we know, the Bible, the way that the Lord has set up and put the words in the scriptures, you know, so many different things relate to other things, and you have this coming together and this, this dovetailing. And I want to show you something in Genesis and in the Gospel of John and then in the epistle of John. Now, in the Bible, there are different beginnings. And when you're, you're reading in certain verses, the apostle or whomever is talking about the beginning, he could be referring to various different things. For example, Genesis 1.1 talks about the beginning. And that beginning is related to the actual physical universe where God begins to create. And then when you move on to the Gospel of John, uh, you see, an, or not the Gospel of John, let's say Matthew 4. In Matthew 4, you see another beginning, and that is with the ministry of Jesus. You see Jesus, he's born uh, in the first couple of chapters, and you see he, he grows. And then in chapter 4, you see this beginning of the, the ministry of Jesus or the beginning of the gospel era, as they say. Uh, and then when you move, move further on in different places, you see this other beginning. And that's the beginning that John talks about. And that beginning is very much related to you and I. And that is whenever the gospel was preached and received by us. And now there is a beginning in our life. We call it the new birth, the new creature, the new man. And now that, that's another beginning. So I want to look at these beginnings very briefly. Let's start in Genesis 1.1. And then I want you to put a marker, bookmark or marker or something in John chapter 1. Now whenever you deal with spiritual truth, you know, that which is moving on a plane other than the natural. Or you could say that whenever a person reads the scriptures, uh, many times, for example, in Genesis 1-1, there is a little literal interpretation of the verse, God created the heavens and the earth. So that's, that was literal. And whenever you attach any other meaning to that, some Christians will get very upset and they will say, well, that's really not what that verse means. So there is a, in, in many, many places, there is a, a natural or the literal application of the verse. And then there is something that the Spirit of God can take from that verse that is a spiritual principle that is very, very applicable to the lives of people. So that the creation, the beginning of the creation, whenever God did that, you know, we read about that, but as far as our personal life, it doesn't really have the impact on us because, see, we, we weren't involved with that, we didn't see it. You know, all we see is what we read. 
in order for the Bible to impact our hearts and impact our lives, the Spirit of the Lord must breathe upon the words. He must make that which is there alive to us. Uh, there are many, many different religions. There are different cults who use the Bible. They read the same thing you do. They read the same, well, not all of them. Some have their own Bibles. Uh, but some of the same words are there. But the difference is, of course, we'll say they're not saved, yes. But the difference is that there is no spirit and there is no life. That which is there because of their heart, because of their view of, of things, because of their, their view of the scriptures, because of their view of religion or their life or whatever, they cannot come to this place where now the Spirit of God can breathe upon their heart, change them, and now breathe upon the scriptures to bring this spirit and life to them. So in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We know this. And the earth was without form and void. So when it says the, the earth was without form, that word there, void, means empty. It means ruin. It means a wasteland. And that's very similar to what you see in the book of Isaiah, chapter 35, where he talks about uh, a wilderness, a wasteland, a desert place. He says that, that that will blossom and bloom like a rose. And what he's talking about in Isaiah is related to the heart of man, where there was a desert place there, where there was a wilderness there. There was a, a life that was without God, as Paul says in Ephesians, without God, atheos without God in the world. And that particular condition in man, in his heart, in his spirit, is a wasteland. And until there is some change there, a person will live their entire life in this spiritual wasteland, in this spiritual desert. And many times they will be totally unaware of their their need or their, their dryness, their parched land, their heart, their condition. And they go from being a young person to an old person in this state. Unless the Spirit of God comes through the gospel message and intervenes in some point in their life, and there is some receptivity in their heart, they will continue on through this life and die in their sins and die in their disobedience. And so... The work of the Spirit in the life of man is, is tremendous, and it's extremely necessary for all, for everyone. Verse 2, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. Now go to John 1. Now, that verse we just read here in Genesis spiritually speaking, typifies or is, is a type of the heart of man where the, it is without form. It's a wasteland. It's a desert place. It is ruined. There's nothing there of value. Uh, there is a vacuum there in the heart of man. That's what, this word um, void here means vacuum. It means 
to be totally lacking, a to totally lacking in meaning, actually, is, I believe, the definition of that word. There, there's something in the heart that is missing. There's a vacuum there. Uh, and without the Spirit of God that will remain in that condition. So uh, there was darkness on the face of the deep, speaking of the deep in man, the heart of man, uh, the spirit of man. There's darkness, and you can see that very graphically uh, in some people in the world where you go to them, and you, even if you're around them for a period of time, you can sense they're in extreme darkness, and there is, there's a void. Uh, there's a darkness on the face of their heart and the face of the deep. And they're in a condition now that God, if he does not intervene in some way in their life, they're in big trouble. And so in John 1, chapter 1, you see the same basic uh, phraseology here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And, of course, the Word here is referring to Jesus Christ. And it says here, and it also says the same thing in verse 2, this with God. And this with here is the preposition dia. I think it's dia. That's a primary preposition. Uh, it means toward, toward. And that is a preposition of direction. So, in the beginning was the Word, Jesus. And the Word was toward, or um, let me do it this way, so this may help you. Dia, dia, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. But if this is a circle here, toward, like if you say in, you draw a line into them, in, into this. This word dia means toward. Okay? In the beginning was the word, and the word was toward God. So you see, see that there to me, actually is saying what Jesus has said and what the scriptures and the gospels say, that Jesus said, I can do nothing except my father, you know, what I see my father do. So his whole life, even before he was born, was in this direction toward God. That, that was a direction of his toward the father. He was, when he came to earth, he was the expression of the Father. So his life was toward him, toward the Father. And that's the example now that he has lived and he has laid forth for all of us that our life is to be toward God. Always in that direction, toward God, toward God, toward God. And the word was with God, toward God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning, he, Jesus, with God or toward God. And this is an amazing verse here, verse 3. 
all things were made, and the King James says by, and I actually really looked into this verse, and by is fine, but the word, it's another preposition. Oh, excuse me, this preposition was pros. This one's dia. This preposition here means through. So let me, let me draw it this way. All things were made through him. So you have the Father. This is through. So you have the Father, and when he spoke the world in the universe, everything into existence, all of that, that word came, and it went through Jesus to the end of that, to, to the making of whatever the Lord was making. Through the cha- He's a channel of the act. Jesus was a channel of the act, even in, at creation. And John is saying that here. All things were made through him. So this closeness or uh, this oneness uh, with, the, with the, the Trinity, the oneness with the Father, existed. It didn't change before Jesus was born and after Jesus was born. This is still the way it operates. It always has. And so all that God did, the Father, all that he said, all that he created, all that he made, went through him. All things, as it says here, were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. So Jesus was involved in this whole process always. And Jesus is involved in this same process even today, and especially today, related to the heart of men. And in him, in Christ, was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 5. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now, we just got done reading in Genesis. It says here, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So there was a point in your life and in my life where we were void, we were empty, our lives were a waste, and there was darkness on the face of our heart. And Jesus came, and now the light, here it says, shined in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. We did not comprehend what was going on. When I first heard the gospel, I did not comprehend what was really taking place. It was a mystery to me. I was listening to the words being taught or, or given, and I, I kept on saying in my mind, how can this be? How can this be? How can this be? That I have you know, grown up in a church and have been in darkness, and yet now something is here, I see it, I don't know what it is, but I couldn't comprehend that this was there all the time, the light, and I never saw it. 
but such is the case with all men. So the words come, the gospel comes, and the darkness does not comprehend that. Now in John 3, verse 19, And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. And so the light shines and brings the condemnation of sin. You know, you know the, the sin that's there in the life, now that is you know, brought to the light, and now sin must be dealt with. And so here you see this, men love darkness rather than light. And today, men love darkness rather than the light. And sometimes you have Christians who you can show certain things to, and they would rather uh, hang on to something other than the light in their life. And then in chapter 1 again, verse 9. Well, verse 8 talks about John the Baptist. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, meaning Christ, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, meaning Jesus. This is another astounding verse. Here he is, the Son of God, the one through whom everything was created. And there he is in the world. The world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Well, why did the, the world not know Jesus? Well, hold your place there. Go back to Genesis 1.1. Why did the world not know Jesus? Well, they, they did not have, Jesus says this uh, in John 6, that you know, the, the people that came to him, they came not because they saw the miracles. See, they, they came for the wrong reasons. And people can come to Jesus today for the wrong reasons, and unless there's a change somehow made in their heart, they will not stay with Jesus. They will go their own way. So the Lord will work in the life of a Christian to change their, their motives. Very important work of the Spirit. In here, verse 9, the world was made by him and the world did not know him. Now, in Genesis 1-2, remember the darkness was on the face of the deep. See, they didn't know him. Their hearts were darkened. They were void. They were empty. Even the religious people, you know, went about doing their traditions and doing all these different things that they thought would bring uh, salvation, you know, keeping the Mosaic laws or, or whatever it was that they did or didn't do. And Jesus comes, and now he's there in the world, the people, they did not know him. So the darkness was on the face of the deep. Now look it. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. He, he hovers over 
the hearts of people today. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. So unless the Spirit of God is able to speak His Word into that darkness, to that void, uh, to that hardened heart, into that place where, you know, that person is in ruin, but they don't want God. They, they would rather have their sin. See, they, they, the men love darkness rather than light. But if a person has a heart where they really don't love darkness, that their sin drags them down, but there's something in their heart where, you know, like I remember when I was a little boy, I was probably, I don't know, 12 years old, and I was sitting in the Catholic church, and there, was, there wasn't a lot of people there. It was, it, was a, it was on a morning. It was a morning. And I remember sitting there. So it's amazing how the Lord brings things back. And I looked up, and they had this big cross there, Jesus on the cross. And I was just sitting there as a little boy, just contemplating Jesus dying for me. And there was in my heart, even though my life, even when I became a teen and a young adult, was going in a different direction. But still, there was something in my heart that had great respect for Jesus. And I believe that certain things like that, the Lord used to set me up, if you know what I'm saying, to set me up for the gospel, to hear, to, to be able to hear when it came. And so even though the darkness there was on the face of the deep of my heart, still there was, there was something about the Lord to me that I believe there was something there that I wanted, although I didn't put it in those type of words. And so the Spirit of God in his time said, let there be light. And he said that in your heart. However that transpired, somebody came to you. You heard a message, whatever it was. And then the Spirit of God says, let there be light. And now, the darkness that was on the face of the deep, the darkness that was on the heart, that didn't comprehend the light, surrendered now to the light, and the darkness fled away. And that became a beginning. So you have the beginning in Genesis of the actual universe, the creation. But it also hints toward this beginning for the Christian, for you. You're beginning with the Lord. And creation was important. We wouldn't be here without the physical earth and all this, you know, the physical body and all that. Jesus in Matthew 4, going into his earthly ministry, is another beginning. He began his ministry. He began to preach. It says, um, let me read it. You don't have to turn there. This is in Matthew 4. This is after Jesus is tempted. From that time, or then, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then, see, that was a beginning. But see, that, the creation and the beginning of Jesus' ministry had no relevance to you and I. 
It, I mean, we might have seen, okay, well, that we may, may have or may not have believed that God created uh, the earth in Genesis, like a lot of people don't believe today. We may have believed that Jesus walked in Jerusalem. We may have believed that Jesus was a historical figure. But as far as that being relative to you, to me personally, it was, it was a stop there. It, I mean, it, it was no different than picking up a history book and learning about Abraham Lincoln or George Washington. So what changed? What made all this relevant? Well, it was the, the beginning now, and you could say the third beginning, and that was whenever the Spirit of God hovered over your life, and he said, let there be light. You responded. Your heart became soft before him. And then there was light. Something came in. And I remember the, you know, very vividly the night I received Christ. And it was just, to me, it was like, how can this be? It's just like the light went on. And it's like, wow, this is really something. And the Spirit of God said, let there be light, and there was light. So he, verse 10, chapter 1, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. Well, see, that's because the darkness can't receive the light. I mean, the darkness uh, is this place where there is nothing, there, there is, you know, things are meaningless, there is ruin, there is void, it's just darkness. And unless the light comes in its power, the darkness is darkness, it stays dark. And I often wondered about this, I mean, maybe you never thought of this, sometimes I think I'm a little strange, but, you know, you're in a room and it's pitch dark. And you go over, you know, we don't, I don't know if we ever think about things like this. But you go over and you hit the light switch. And then, you, you know, it, you see, right? Well, what happened to the darkness that was there? Where did it go? <laughs> what, what happened to it? Oh, it had to go somewhere, I guess. I don't know. Sometimes I think about these things. But see, there's a spiritual application to that. Your hearts, all of our hearts were darkened. And just like you, you get up in the morning, maybe in the middle of the night when it's really dark, and you turn the light switch on, and it's like everything, you can see everything now. You can, you know, it illuminates the room. And so, spiritually speaking, our hearts were darkened. You know, we were in sin. We were in disobedience. We were in rebellion. And we, we may not even have known we were in rebellion. And the light is turned, light switch is turned on, and now there is a dispelling of the darkness. So now you can, you can begin to see some things, you can begin to walk, you can begin to move around in this new place because now it's totally different. So in, in verse 11, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born, 
not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. They were born of God. And the word became flesh. So this is still talking about this part here. It's talking about when Jesus came uh, to earth, he's born, grew, uh, and entered into his ministry and, and all that. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the Lord, when you came to this new beginning, this was a new start for you in life. It doesn't matter how old you were. You know, some of you um, maybe came to the Lord in your teens. Some of you came to the Lord in your 20s, some in your 30s, and so on. But that's not the important thing. The important thing is that this is the beginning. This is a beginning that now... The Lord wants to take you on. He has done something in your heart and your life. The Spirit of God has hovered over your heart. The Spirit of God has spoken into your heart. Let there be light. And the Spirit of God is still, in a manner of speaking, hovering over your life to see what He can do in your heart and life. You know, this is the beginning. It's not the end. We haven't finished. Uh, we're in the midst of this walk, this Christian walk, that started miraculous. Miraculous. When I look back, and, and sometimes I, I sit there and you know, I think about some of these things. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't look to the past, if you understand what I'm saying. But I, I look to some of the things the Lord did, and I say, for me, it was good. It was miraculous. I, I, I don't know how... The Lord did what he did. I don't know how the Lord has worked to bring me to where I am. I don't know. But I do know one thing, that the Spirit of God has been hovering. And the Spirit of God is hovering over your life because he wants to change certain things there so that you can continue on into this fuller place. So now let's go back to the gospel or excuse me, the epistle of John. Now, the apostles, you, you know this, they were, a lot of them were fishermen in other trades, taxmen, whatever. The darkness, even though they were in the Jewish religion, because the Pharisees and the scribes, and they were so interested in tradition and all these other things, that they were not instruments to bring the life of God to others. See, that's what they should have been. The leaders should have been instruments through which, just like Jesus, through which the Spirit of God could hover and flow through out to the masses in order to bring them uh, into this, this life that they were void of to bring them from the darkness of their own personal life and their own personal world, bringing them into the light of the gospel, taking them now uh, on a journey that they knew not where they were going. I, you know, I think that when Andrew and Peter were there on the shore, 
And Jesus came by and he said, follow me. I know they didn't have any idea where they were going. All they knew was that the Spirit of God said, let there be light. You know, they didn't, you don't see anything here about they accepted the Lord and they, they prayed the sinner's prayer. You don't see any of that in the Bible. The word came forth from Jesus, follow me, contained in those words were the same thing you see here from the Father in creation. Through him, he said, follow me. And that was the light of salvation for them. And when they picked up their, their, their bodies, their hearts, they dropped their nets. When they picked up and started to follow Jesus, there was a change, I believe. They had no idea now what was going to take place, where they were going to go, what was going to happen. And 60 years later, when John is in the Isle of Patmos, and the Lord comes and he, he gives them this message, this book of Revelation. If you, if you would have seen his life 60 years before that, you know, John could say, you know, I can hardly believe that this has happened to me. How could the Lord have brought me to this place? This is so great. This is so wonderful. And so here in the epistle of John, John has been walking with the Lord. He started with this, the beginning. Come and follow me, just like you and I have. And so he starts at this beginning, and he's going to walk now with Jesus. Now remember something. To obtain what the Lord has for your life, you must walk with him. You must walk in the path that he has chosen and cut out for your life. Because that will be the place, that will be the path through which all the fullness of God will be coming through Jesus, through him. And so John here, I don't know how many years later he wrote this epistle. Maybe he'd been walking now with the Lord. We walked with the Lord for three and a half years. And then he walked with him for maybe another 50, 60 years before he's writing, doing some of these writing here. And the apostles had to walk in some very difficult places and some very difficult things. And now John has come to this place in Christ that others have not. And John here is going to petition He's going to say things uh, that are very on the surface and very deep. And people, Christians, I don't believe many times catch what John is saying here in the first chapter. So he says here, let's just start reading. That which was from the beginning. Now remember, I said there's different beginnings. He could be talking about the life of Jesus, the life that, um, that he had with the Lord, before the, with the Father, before the, the foundation of the world. He also could be talking about the beginning when he heard the gospel and responded. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, 
and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. So John, because he has walked with the Lord, because he has moved in the will and purpose of God for his life, was able to see certain things, he was able to hear certain things, and he was able to pick up and handle certain spiritual things. So there are, there are certain things the Lord wants you in your walk to be able to handle or to see. And for that to take place, you have to have a consistent walk with the Lord and you must walk in, in His path for you. So if, if I would decide to go a different way, that does not mean that I would not, not be able to see anything or hear anything. But what that would mean is that what I would be able to see or hear or handle would be more limited than if I would have been walking with God in the right place with the right heart and so on. So he, he goes on and he says, and our, our hands have handled concerning the word of life. And it doesn't just mean that he touched Jesus when Jesus was, you know, in Galilee. He's talking about his hands handling spiritual things. So, you know, remember when Jesus said certain things, the disciples, many of those things they didn't catch. They didn't quite understand it till afterward. Jesus is gone. The Holy Spirit comes. And afterward, when they begin to walk with the Lord... Some of the things that, that Jesus said, now they remembered, and the Lord started to show them, and they were able to, to see and hear, and they were, be, were able to handle certain things now because the Spirit of God had hovered over their heart and their life and had worked in their heart and it was able to, to build in them so that they could handle certain things now, responsibilities or whatever it may be that the Lord you know, wanted them to handle. Verse 2, And the life was manifest, <clears throat> excuse me, it was manifest. It was, it was rendered apparent. There it is. Here's the life. Here, you, you see that. That's Jesus. And we have seen, and we bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, pros, toward, and was manifest to us. It was made known to us. The life, the, this eternal life, was made known to you. It was made known to some degree. And whenever we start off, it is to a small degree. But if we continue on in the way, that life, that eternal life, is manifest to a much greater degree. Verse 3, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. Why? Why is John declaring what he has seen and heard? Well, for the reason that you also may, may, you may have fellowship with us. So the us there would be all those disciples or whomever, not just limited to the apostles, but those who had received the Lord, walked with Him, walked in His purpose, walked in His ways, 
when John says, says this, he's talking about us, meaning not us, us here, but when he says us, he means those who are moving in the will and purpose of God. Those who the Spirit of God is hovering over, and then there is a response in their heart to the Spirit of God hovering over them. He says <clears throat> that you all, everyone, may have fellowship with us, so that, that all Christians may experience what John and the others experience, the life, the fullness, uh, the, the maturity, all that, you know, that the fruit that they had, that these other people would somehow experience the same thing. He's, he's actually declaring that and praying that somehow they would be able to be brought to this place. But see, remember that that in the, in the um, Greek is subjunctive mood verb, which means it's possible, but it's not a guaranteed thing. Not all Christians are the same. Not all Christians desire to walk with the Lord. Not all Christians will walk in certain things. Not all Christians want to go through certain sufferings. Not all Christians uh, have this burning desire for the Lord. Not all Christians want to read God's Word. Not all Christians want to pray. Not all Christians want to be with the Lord and spend time with Him. See, so it may take various things in their life and their heart to bring them into this fellowship, into this place that John is declaring. It's not that he's, he's just, oh, I'm just going to preach the gospel. No, he is in this spiritual place, and he's declaring to them that hopefully you can have fellowship with us in this place. And, you know, there's, there's Christians that aren't interested in that, not interested in these things. They just rather just you know, read the Bible and maybe go to church and do, do whatever. They're not interested in progressing in the kingdom. They're not interested in having maybe a closer relationship. Maybe they are, but the certain decisions, certain things that they do in their life hinders them from coming to this place that John is saying, that you may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Now, verse 5, he's going to declare what he's trying to... He, he says it here in verse 3. But he's going to say it again here in a different way, uh, related to what we talked about early, earlier, to try to you know, speak these words so that others could lay hold of them and be brought into this place of fellowship that he's talking about. And this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So now John is going back to what we saw in the Gospel of John chapter 1 and what we saw in Genesis chapter 1. He says here, remember, verse 5, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So now he's going to deal with this light and darkness issue. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So if we say, if we say that we're Christian, we have fellowship with him, 
and we walk in darkness. So John is saying that a Christian can walk in darkness. You can. I can. If the Lord is not at work in our heart and we're not going to be surrendered to him, then we very well may move into an area of darkness. And later on in chapter 2, John gives one example, and this is not the only example. This is one example of how a Christian can walk in darkness. Can you tell me how a Christian can walk in darkness from the Scripture? Give me a Scripture. He that hateth his brother is in darkness. Then in a couple of verses later, he says, he that hates his brother, that's going to be a continual thing in their heart. Are, they are going to walk in darkness. So if, if I hate my brother, and by the way, God defines what that word hate means. It may not mean what you think it means. If I hate my brother, then I can say I'm in the light and I'm walking in the light. But in fact... According to what he's saying here, I am walking in darkness. Let me see how he says that here. He who says he hates his brother is in darkness until now. And that's, that, that word hate is present participle. That means that's a continual thing. Uh, verse 11. He who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness, and he does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eye. And it's talking about spiritually. You, you can't make it to where John is saying here in, in verse 3 and 5 that the, the reason I'm declaring this to you is because I want you to have fellowship in this place where I'm living. But see, if a, if a Christian is walking in darkness, they can't progress into this place and be included in this fellowship. Now, now Fellowship is based not upon who has accepted the Lord or what church you're in. Let's put it this way. Among Christians, fellowship is not having something in common with another Christian. Fellowship is not talking about the Lord. Fellowship is not coming and having a meal together. Fellowship is none of those things. Do you know that? The church has a warped idea of what fellowship is because they don't read the Bible. Plain as day. Look at it, chapter 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light with, for us in our life, we have fellowship with one another. So the only true basis for fellowship is that two people are walking in the light. It's the only basis. There's no other basis. And so the point here is, John wants others, he's writing to other churches, to experience this fellowship that they are having, this, this relationship that they are having with the Lord. And... The declaration of the message here, remember, 
there must be a beginning in the life. You all here have had a beginning with Christ. You have been birthed from above. Now that gives you a, a great advantage because now it's possible for you to come into this place that John is talking about. I mean, it may not, it's not a guaranteed thing. You may not be able to make it there because you're too interested in your own life and what you want to do and, you know, you want to live in sin. Maybe, who knows what, you know, is going on with people. So maybe some, though, will progress into this place where they will experience this life that he's talking about. I'm not talking about initial life, being saved. But this, this deeper, fuller life that John is talking about here. That you also, verse 3, may have fellowship with us. Verse 5, this is the message which we have declared from him, we have heard from him and declared to you, to you that God is light and in him is no, no darkness at all. So the Lord has had quite a hand, I'll say it that way, in many of your lives. But remember, we're not finished yet. You know, we haven't arrived on the other side. And the Lord desires for everyone to move into this, what's the word? Soon. Soon. And that's a Greek word. <laughs> it's a preposition. So, so here, here is your relationship with the Lord, and I'll stop with this. Here's your relationship with the Lord. There's a Greek word that's used in various places. It's the word meta, like, like you know, metadata. Meta, that means like this. And then there's a word, it's pronounced sown. It's spelled S-U-N, like the sun, but it's sown, and that means like this. And I see that just in those prepositions that, you know, we can have our relationship with the Lord like this, and some can have it like this, and some can have it like this. And so it's up to the Lord, and it's up to you. It's not all his responsibility. It's not all your responsibility. You know, he, he gives his word. He gives what he gives to you. And now you can e either respond to him and walk in his path and his way, or you cannot. And based upon what we do individually, we'll, we'll determine the outcome here, here, or here. And so all that we need is what the Lord is giving. And he will continue in your life and in my life. And he will take.